0: I said I was going to talk about the three other Supreme Emotions tonight but I'll leave that till tomorrow and I'll talk instead about the meditative path because it is more important at this point to make that clear for several people. The meditation on the breath is a method. There are 40 methods taught by the Buddha, all contained in the Satipatthana Sutta, the discourse on the foundations of mindfulness. Some of those methods are strictly for insight, and I may later on mention some of those methods and explain how to use them some of the methods are strictly for calm some can be used in both ways but a method is a method by any name and it isn't the meditative calm nor is it the meditative insight it's a method A key, a key which fits into a keyhole, which opens a door to a mansion which has eight chambers, eight steps, all contained within us. If you want to open a door, by unlocking it through a keyhole, you've got to keep the key in hand solidly, long enough, without wavering, so that you can actually hit the keyhole. have got to keep your mind on the breath solidly, long enough, steadily enough to hit the keyhole. In practice, that goes like this. When the mind has remained on the breath without thinking for a chunk of time. Now that chunk of time can be anything from 10 to 30 to 45 minutes depending upon the length of one's practice. The mind has remained on the breath for that length of time and no thoughts have intervened. The mind has actually given itself up from the thinking process to the experiencing process. The breath becomes very fine. It becomes so fine that it may be very difficult to find it. The first inclination that most people have is to take a deep breath because the instantaneous fear arises of not breathing. There's nothing to be afraid about. You always breathe through our pores as long as we're alive. And if the mind is very quiet the breath becomes very quiet that's the reason why attention on the breath is the traditional and most often used method because mind and breath are so closely connected so when the mind is quiet the breath becomes very quiet and instead of now taking a deep breath which interrupts the concentration one changes one's focus of attention from the breath to an internal sensation this is the third factor of the meditative path I have already mentioned the first two factors which are inherent in any meditation. Vitaka vichara, initial application to the meditation subject which counteracts sloth and torpor and continued application, vichara, to the meditation subject which counteracts skeptical doubt. So if we are capable and anyone is capable everybody can do it. Some take longer. But theoretically everybody can do it. So if we can keep our mind on the breath long enough we lose first of all skeptical doubt. The mind says hooray I can do it. Look at me. Which of course stops the concentration. But we can always start over again. And instead of going on with watching the breath at that time, a focus of attention is on the internal sensation. In Pali that's called piti. P-I-T-I. Not the English piti, but piti. We translate it as bliss, rapture interest and essentially it is a most delightful sensation so we could say delight which makes it a little less grandiose than rapture or bliss because that those words might connote something immense which then one doesn't recognize. The recognition of that sensation is extremely simple. It's very delightful. Anybody knows when they've got a delightful sensation. We don't have to ask, "What is this, or was that it, or could it have been, or could it not have been? Everybody knows. We, int- we also translate the word pity. It's interest, because that's the moment when interest in meditation arises. Until then, it's been a chore. Some people continue doing it diligently, without getting too PT. Diligently means year after year, day after day. Admirable. Most people fall by the wayside. Now I do it, now I don't. It's a most common procedure. Although any meditation, whether it comes to PT or not, is extremely helpful and beneficial, one doesn't seem to have the impetus it doesn't seem to be clear enough that there is benefit. I have already explained the immediate benefits. But because they are not so strong, they don't appear to have such a very strong impact upon us, we are often not concerned with them and give up the meditation and then start again, and give up again, and so on. When pity arises, interest arises. And there are people who even then stop meditating, but they're few and far between. Most of them that get that far continue. And not only do they continue, but they realize almost immediately that, that isn't what they were meditating for. There must be more. And that is an incentive which really makes it happen. The first two, Vitaka Vichara, the initial and the continued application to the meditation subject, is still fumbling around with the key. Having been able to continue the application of the mind we have opened the door and we have entered the very first chamber the very first chamber which contains this delightful sensation it's a physical sensation but we don't put our attention on the body but we put the attention on the sensation. There are 17 different sensations listed. There are probably far more than 17. Some of them are tingling, lightness, floating, sitting on a cloud, elevating, well-being. All of them have a physical connotation. That's where we start. That sensation then becomes the meditation subject. That feeling. And because it's interesting and very pleasant, it's not so difficult to keep one's mind on it. It has a very important characteristic, this meditation factor. It counteracts our second hindrance, ill will. The one that most people find extremely unpleasant. and would prefer to get rid of. The Buddha compared ill will to a bilious disease, the bile coming up. He compared it to a water pond where a strong wind is blowing so that there are high waves and we can't see our own likeness when we get angry when we have ill will towards anyone or anything it's like high waves within loving kindness meditation and what i described already our way of using our daily confrontations as lessons to learn love for others. It's not an easy thing to do. If we don't have the support system of the meditation, I would say it's impossible. We have the support system of the meditative factor of the first jhana, Jhana is a Pali word for meditative absorption and because it's nice and easy and short I would like to use it. Meditative absorption has far too many syllables. This factor of the first jhana is our support system to counteract ill will. The reason for that is that while we're having delightful sensation and are feeling the light, we couldn't possibly be angry. But that's not enough. That's only during the meditation. Although this factor is just as impermanent as everything else that exists, it has a residual effect. And this residual effect is probably the most important aspect of the first meditative absorption. The residual effect comes about because we know from that moment on that we have found a home for our mind. Until then, the mind is constantly exposed to all the different emotions and the different thoughts which itself has or which come at it from outside and is reacting to that. We may go home from work to a very comfortable house with nice, easy chairs, expensive mattresses, all the conveniences that money can buy but what is it that can relax there it's a body that relaxes in the easy chair it's a body that has a nice night's rest in the bed it's a body that has the advantage of the conveniences that we have bought the mind may at the same time, while the body is quite comfortable in its easy chair, be worrying still about the days happening that are past, or worrying about the days happening that are to come, or worrying about the past 20 years, or the next 20 years. It hasn't got a nice easy chair. If we are able to have the, the jhanas as our constant companions in meditation, even when we're not in meditation, we know we can go home to that, where the mind is totally at ease, where there's no disturbance, no worry about the past or the future because if there is disturbance, if there is worry, of course we can't have a meditative absorption. So even while we are in our daily activities and are confronting difficulties with other people, with ourselves, the mind still knows that this is only temporary, those difficulties. It can go home, just like the body can go home after work. And therefore, those difficulties do not have the charge that they used to have. They are exactly the same as they've always been, because they're lacking the charge, they're also lacking our reaction. They're just happening. And therefore, our ill will, our dislike. Our rejections, our resistances are not uprooted, but certainly they're lessened. There's far less negativity which comes out. Therefore, without that kind of support system, through the jhanas our purification of heart and mind is such a difficult process that I am inclined to say it's impossible the Buddha certainly taught the jhanas and did them himself as a pathway to enlightenment he taught them to all the disciples and they're only minimally described which allows one to assume that it wasn't such a difficult undertaking in those days and you'd be surprised how comparatively easy it is it's a myth that it's difficult and it's a myth that only certain people can do it everybody can do it but diligence devotion to the practice constancy and perseverance and patience Without those qualities, life is difficult anyway and meditation is impossible. To have this support system against our negativities is a great advantage, one which one only can really appreciate once one has it. It's very difficult to know what it's like to be without something until one actually is without it. The ability to go into the jhana is depending upon the concentration on the meditation subject which in this case is now the breath. We're going to do other methods other methods which may be helpful to some people from a practical standpoint in the beginning one should then endeavor to stay with the concentration on that sensation for a good period of time like 10 or 15 minutes in the beginning it may just come up and disappear again it's quite possible to be able to go back to it. It has once arisen, it's possible to go back to it without having to go back to the breath. If that's not possible, one has to go back to the breath. When the concentration is finished and this sensation, this delightful sensation disappears, The first thing to do is to say to oneself by watching it disappear, that too is impermanent. And seeing it as impermanent and not having this very instinctive, impulsive reaction of, oh, how nice, what a pity, now it's gone, how am I going to get it back? This is guaranteed not to work. The only thing that does work is to be there now, nothing else. So to see that and see that that too is impermanent. And the next step is recapitulation. How did I get in there? What did I do? Everybody finds their own personal trigger. Everybody has exactly the same mind and goes along the same meditative path. But because of our di- different backgrounds and also differing tendencies, we find personal triggers. They're also not very difficult, different from each other but one or the other may be more important so one should go back to the to the time even before entering the meditation hall did i think differently did i eat differently did i move differently did i pay more attention to something and then sitting down did i sit differently Did I hold my body differently? Did I start the meditation differently? Did I have more loving-kindness feelings this time? Or did I think of gratitude? What did I think of when I started the meditation? How did I do it? What was my trigger? To have found the trigger and immediately repeat the process means that we eventually have found a steady pathway which will always lead us there. Now, as I said before, there are eight chambers, there are eight jhanas. This is the very first one. And once having entered this house and having been able to get into the first chamber, obviously there's nothing to stop us from going into the others. Having got in there means having unlocked the door. Once in there, the other chambers are at our disposal. Slowly, gently, everybody experiences exactly the same thing, couched in different language. Interestingly enough, the Christian mystics of the Middle Ages did exactly that, using different language explaining it differently. What we experience is then up to us to evaluate, and it depends entirely upon our teaching and upon our instructions how we see it. So, in the Christian mystics, the words were totally different. The experience was the same. It got lost and buried in buddhism it didn't get lost and buried it's available in books but it got lost and buried in practice there's no reason why we can't revive it the whole universe is always in a pendulum motion up and down it's surprisingly easy for anyone who is willing to give oneself to it as long as we want to think about something as long as we want to be somebody as long as we want to have something guaranteed not to work as soon as we give that up guaranteed to work the less of ourselves we notice during the meditation the less of ourselves there's in it the better the meditation works this is the difficulty that everybody experiences whose concentration is lacking. It's me, 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 screaming for me. I want. I'm going to be. I'm going to have. I'm going to become. I'm going to know. No meditation. Let it all fall by the wayside. Let it all go be there and it works how much simpler could it be it's so simple that it becomes difficult again doesn't it but once having been able to practice and experience it, the mind says aha that's meditation well that also isn't yet It's a beginning. And it's very clear to each one who does it that that is only a beginning. Naturally, we don't practice for the purpose of having delightful sensations. But, luckily, if meditation actually works, it provides us with that. This delightful sensation. And on that pathway, it goes along further to different aspects. The Buddha said in order to meditate properly, one has to feel comfortable in mind and body. The mind feels comfortable when it is at ease, at ease about the person who we are comfortable about what it's about to do and comfortable about letting go the body we have to accommodate it as best as we can and the practice has a much better chance of continuation if we're enjoying what we're doing. If we don't enjoy what we're doing obviously we're going to become frustrated about it and look for something else something we think is better or more effective for us. So this is another aspect of the jhana, that it brings enjoyment to the path. The path is a path of purification, and the path of purification leads us to a letting go and giving up, which we have to practice on the way continually. Now the letting go and giving up has to be part of the meditation practice right now. Otherwise it won't come together. The mind cannot be concerned with the ego, the me and meditate at the same time. It's either or. So if we want to meditate, if we take that seriously then we have to let go of something. Well obviously if we want to meditate we want to gain something. Well, everything costs something. In order to gain we've also got to give up. Mainly we have to give up all the ideas that we've stored away. They're constantly interfering. Once having got into this house, the first chamber, and enjoying that situation that one finds oneself in, it is highly likely that the pathway is not only going to be continued, but that it is becomes quite smooth. Because there's a totally different inner foundation for the spiritual life. The spiritual life is seen then as a different level of consciousness. This Delightful sensation exists within us at all times. It's always there. We don't produce it. That would be really something if we could produce it. It's always there. But we can't find it because we're thinking. We can't do two things at the same time. Either we're thinking or we're getting in touch with our inner being if we stop thinking long enough in order to get to that then we have touched upon that which is within us at all times and which is a result that being able to touch upon it is a result of purity not thinking is purity And as we touch upon it we eventually can keep the door to this mansion unlocked. That means we can sit down to meditate and we don't need the key. We don't need the breath. We're right there when we sit down. Because the door hasn't been locked again. In fact If one is practiced at it, one can arouse that sensation at any time. It creates a sense of well-being also in daily life. It's certainly not as strong as in the meditation. The first four jhanas are called the rupa jhanas, which rupa means actually body. Or corporal, which is translated as the fine material absorption. The next four are the Arupa jhanas, the formless or non material absorption. The first four, being the fine material, have that name because we have a connection with these sensations in our daily lives. We've all had pleasant physical sensations. But that pleasant physical sensation which we've had until now has been due to touch contact. So they have been due to outer triggers outer situations. And not only that, but the pleasantness which we can get through the senses is in no way comparable to the pleasantness we can get without the senses. The first step, the delightful sensation, which is physical, has that connection to our pleasant physical sensations in daily life, But it is immeasurably more pleasant in quality and in quantity. And on top of that, more importantly, it's independent of outer conditions. And that will be, then, our first step into the inside that the world has nothing to offer. One day, we'll get smart enough to know it. It's all fool's gold. It glitters, but it doesn't have any value. All very interesting, but one's got to explain it. And coming to the first jhana gives one an inkling of that. There's nothing there. It's all constantly moving and changing. All depend upon sense contact. All depend upon outer conditions. Never independent. Never unconditioned. And that first understanding that arises then helps one already to let go a little bit of that constant search for sensual gratification. I will talk about that in more detail because that is a very important point on the inside path. But from this, you may be able to realize that the meditative absorption, which are the path of samatha, of calm, are directly connected to the path of vipassana, which is inside. And without them insight very often remains just an intellectual enterprise. And we can't live intellectually. We all live by our feelings. So when we actually experience that what we've always wanted that what we've always dreamt of because it's not only a sense of well-being it's also a sense of being totally safe and secure, embedded in, completely drenched in, a pleasantness, a delight, and realize that we're carrying it within and there's nothing out there that can ever give it to us, we have taken a very important step. And that's why meditation leads in that direction. it's not sensible to think that we're going to watch our breath for the rest of our lives I mean we're breathing anyhow it's a key and tomorrow I'll teach you another meditation method which can also become a key a key in that case tomorrow more for insight another one which will do Another key, not everyone can use the same method but everybody goes along the same pathway. No matter what it's called, no matter what spiritual path, no matter what religion, it always goes along those steps. Otherwise it would be totally impossible to teach meditation There's a lot of floundering about it, about meditation. There's a lot of uncertainty about it, totally unnecessary. The Buddha made it totally certain, step by step. And it all begins with keeping your mind on the breath. What else? That's enough for this evening. If you have any questions, this is the time to ask them. Mm -hmm. The, the other three yes certainly yes I don't think I can hear you yes certainly another method a very good method for some people it's uh, very often that with metta meditation, the sensation that arises is warmth, a very, very pleasant warmth. And then you drop the metta, whatever you've been doing, and go to that sensation. That's very, very common for people who do it with metta. Yes. Yes. are uh, there sorry, I don't I haven't quite caught the question. Um, if you get a sense of well being and I
1: would
0: call bliss or yeah. um is it only common within genus or are there other prior stages that would include really similar? Um no. If there is a Delightful fear sensation which has arisen out of concentration, that is the first jhana. It's not uncommon that a person can get that sort of delightful sensation by being totally concentrated on a beautiful sunset or watching the ocean move. or anything similar to that. And if they don't know anything about the jhanas, they think it's due to the ocean or the sunset. But in actual fact, it's due to the concentration and the non-thinking. But it's always the first jhana. In a controlled uh, environment and a controlled meditation practice as we have here, we make it possible to repeat it at will. Whereas if you're depending upon the ocean or the sunset, it's potluck. But it's always first jhana. Anything else? <coughs> Yes.
1: I guess maybe another part of my question is when we're. When you say to love yourself, express love to yourself, who is it
0: that's expressing love to whom? Two different levels. We are on the level of, I am expressing love to myself. That's good enough. The other one, that question, that comes at the enlightenment stage. First, we're going to have to do our work till we get there. This kind of being, which never intersect. The level of being where we're at is everybody knows who gets up in the morning out of their bed. Me, of course. Well, so we are the ones that are doing loving-kindness. When we get to the point where we can let go of that, we have done our work well. And we don't have to question this anymore. At this point, we're doing the work in order to gain purification. And with that purification, we will one day be able to let go of that illusion because we've seen through it. We've seen through it and seen it for what it is, an absurdity. But until then, we've got to work. So if you want to give loving-kindness to yourself, you do it with your thoughts and your feelings. Does that answer your question? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, But when you sit on the chair, you're all right? Oh, wherever I sit. Oh, even on a chair, you're not comfortable.
1: It's just the process of sitting
0: Do you feel that uncomfortable also when you sit at home in a chair? Okay. So there's something (laughs) happening, isn't there? (laughs) Okay. So, most likely, what's happening is this. You want something. You want the result of the meditation. It can't work. Drop the whole kit and caboodle. Just drop it. Just be there and watch the breath. And if you can't watch the breath, watch it, how impermanent it is. And if, uh, if the breath is impermanent, how impermanent the thoughts are. Don't want anything. It's the wanting which creates the tension. It's the wanting which brings, brings all this to a head because it's not happening. You can either concentrate or want. You can't do both. So decide on the concentration and let the wanting go. And if the concentration isn't perfect, nobody's perfect. It's it's very much in our Western psyche, the achievement syndrome. We've got to get somewhere. We've got to get it. We've got to do it. It's an extremely um, stressful way of uh, looking at things. And it's totally impossible in meditation. There's no achievement there. As long as we let everything go it's going to happen anyway and if we don't let go well we will have to learn to let go see whether that is of any help to you okay yes
1: and when I try to like all my mind hmm Yeah. So
0: when you're switching. That genre, my <laughs> what, what's that by mistake? When, when I've gone into that jhana, it's always been my mistake. When I try to do it, it doesn't happen. You can't try to do it. You can't try to do it. Right effort is necessary, but right effort means sitting down, watching the breath, letting go of the thoughts, letting go of them again and again and again, and going inward. That's right effort. Right effort is not the achievement syndrome, they're totally, two totally different aspects of one's own uh, psyche. One is making the effort to just be and the other one is an effort to become something or to get something. That doesn't work. So the the necessary thing is to just be there and watch the breath. And if you have been able to get to the first jhana, the most important thing to do is to see not only its impermanence but to recapitulate how you did it because there's a certain trigger that helps you to do it and that it's no longer as you were calling it a back door. it's never a backdoor it's always a front of the mind that can do it and if you can can you stay on it? hmm No, no, you can't intend that. All you can intend to do is to let go of all external matters and just stay with the meditation subject. That's all you can intend to do. That's the intention. You can't intend to do something that is a result. You can only intend the cause. The cause is concentration. You can't intend the result. As long as you intend the result, it's counterproductive. Okay, well, anything else? Anybody
1: else? Yes.
0: Well, that's certainly the, the labeling that the Buddha recommended if you know the five hindrances of Baha'd. Do you? Okay. You can use them for, for labeling. They are better used in daily living than in meditation. As a content of mind, as a fourth foundation of mindfulness, They are better and more useful in daily living. In in the meditation, the labeling can just be future, past, nonsense, fantasy, dreaming, hoping, wishing,
1: uh,
0: bored, uh, fantasizing. Just those are enough because they tell us enough. First of all, they make us the objective uh, observer rather than the thinker and we can go back to the breath. And also, they tell us enough about the uselessness of the thoughts. In daily living, using the five hindrances as content of mind is very useful, extremely useful. They're one part of the the, uh, directives of the Buddha for the fourth foundation. But in meditation, it would be too cumbersome, take too long. Yes. (coughs)
1: Yes. <coughs> yes. It, it seems that everything in Buddhism, everything in, in the uh, Dharma points to uh, not turning to anything at all, just utterly letting go of everything, everything, everything. That's right.
0: That sounds difficult? <laughs>
1: no. Even that I
0: think to that, oh the the expressing love and gratitude points to letting go. Or yes. Yes, that's right. Of course. Because it's giving. Certainly. Everything goes along the same pathway. Everything that we practice, everything that we do is designed to minimize our illusion of solidity, our illusion of personal identity, individuality, to minimize our hanging on to this core substance which we think is us. Everything we do is designed in that direction. But it goes slowly and little by little and so that then in the end when one does the last step it doesn't seem like such a difficult procedure anymore because it goes little by little. It's, sometimes it feels as if uh, one were in um, the first grade in school and uh, hears about the uh, university exams. Well, obviously, it's impossible. I mean, nobody can do this. So one goes slowly through grade after grade after grade, and then in the end, one can do these university exams. That's the same like Anything else? And please put the attention on the breath for just a few moments. of your most beloved person and arouse a feeling for that most beloved person. Let this person arise in your mind's eye and then have this feeling for that person Fill your heart. And now transfer the same feeling to yourself. Let the vision of that beloved person disappear, but keep the feeling, the love, and fill yourself with it. Surround yourself with it. It's no different between you and that other person Think of your most beloved person again Arouse a feeling for that person And then transfer That same feeling To the person sitting nearest you No difference All human beings All living on this planet At the same time All of us together Fill the person sitting nearest you With the same love that you have for your most beloved person. now extend that same feeling to everyone here make everyone your most beloved person fill everyone with that same feeling embrace everyone with that same feeling think of your most beloved person again arouse the feeling transfer the same feeling to your parents whether they're still alive or not fill them and surround them with that same love Think of your most beloved person. Arouse a feeling of love for that person. Feel it in your heart. Transfer it to the people you live with. Let them all have the same feeling from your heart. Think of all your good friends Let them have the same love That you have for your beloved person Fill them with that love Surround them with it Making no difference between them and your most beloved person. Think of those people who are part of your life Neighbors, colleagues at work salespeople, people Acquaintances Anyone who is part of your life Extend the same love to them That you have for your beloved person that feeling of warmth and connectedness that feeling of embracing and holding and caring extended to each one of those people Think of anyone whom you find difficult or towards whom you are indifferent. Arouse a feeling in your heart for your most beloved person. Extend it also to that person so that there is no blockage in your own heart. now picture your most beloved person again And feel the love for that person The warmth and the care The concern The togetherness Fill your heart with that And then let it spill out like a golden stream going to people everywhere near and far first those that are around here in this area and to people in Oakland San Francisco Like a golden stream of love Going forward and touching people's hearts Going to the other cities and towns Covering the whole state Let it flow as far as it will much strength as the love in your heart has to cover people further and further afield as far as that golden stream of love will go and put your attention back on yourself and feel the warmth and the beauty and the joy of love in your heart let it fill you surround you embrace you that nothing else has any room there. Only love in your heart. beings everywhere have love for each other